So, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Villa Talks podcast. It's a really exciting one this week. Uh, I'm joined by a very special guest. I say that about every guest, really, but this one is very, very special. If you remember back to back to my first episode, I said, you know, if you can bring any knowledge, any any expertise or insight or banter, you know, we'll be glad to have you. I also said at the end of that, if you can bring any something, di- if you can bring anything different to the podcast, we'd be glad to have you. Well, different is what you're going to get today because we've got the main man, Mr. Knockout King. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Twitter champion. We've got Phil Russell here. You've got a lot to live up to. There's a lot of people uh, A lot of people going to be listening in, into this. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to it. First one I've ever done. So um, it's been something that I, I think we've spoken about for a long time, but um, now it seems just a good time to do it. Sounds good. Yeah, no, we've been, I think, at least for the three years, last three years, we've been speaking on Twitter about it. Definitely. About doing something like this and uh, getting our views out there because obviously they're so important. <laughs> but no, it's great, great to have you, mate. Uh, you've even done some notes for today, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. I've got a few things on Fulham. Um, I've got a few things on everything, really. Um, I think with the, when it comes to Villa, you can really end up talking for hours and hours and hours. There's been so many things that have happened over the past, what, 13 years that we could talk about. It's just, it's been absolutely ridiculous. Um, from from the sublime to the ridiculous, really. Um, but it's going all right at the moment, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, general feeling is pretty optimistic among the fan base. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about the summer so far in terms of signings and, and also the first few games of the season? Um, I've... That, this with with the signings, I think we've done quite well. Um, when Traore was at Chelsea, when he was just a kid, I thought he I thought he had something when I watched him. I mean, he didn't play an awful lot of games, but the games when I did watch him, I thought you know this lad could could play. Um, and then obviously he just disappeared. He went to France, done his thing there. Um, obviously at Lyon last season. Um, I think they had a change of style, basically, that, that didn't really suit him, um, from what I can gather. Um, so he didn't have a particularly good season. But um watched him last night and um, he, he, looks, he looks like he, he can play. I mean, you know, there was a few balls played to him that somebody like Al Ghazi would have kicked out for a throw-in. Um, and he just looked like he had the ball glued to his feet. Um, you know, some, that ball in particular he put in for um, for Gilbert. Um, his, his finish, whether he meant it or not, I don't know. I really don't know. But it, well, it was still a great goal anyway. It doesn't really matter, does it? But um, So I'm excited about him. Um, one thing that has sort of surprised me a little bit is obviously we brought in... Johan Lang, and in his past, he's he's basically bought quite a few players and sold them on for a big profit. 
Um, he's he's sort of great at flip, flipping players for huge profit margins. But obviously at Copenhagen, they had a totally different strategy of sort of developing players in preparation, of basically selling them to clubs in the top three or four leagues, I think. Um, the process at Villa is going to be completely different. Um, it's a much bigger job for him. We haven't really heard much from him either. I think it'd be great if, you know, a few fans could sit down with him, you know, probably post-COVID. Um, and just have a little chat with him, see where what his ambitions are for the club and and where he sees us in, say, five years' time. No, you mentioned Toro there, obviously a very good signing, hopefully. And it'll be interesting to see how, how he does in, in the Premier League uh, when compared to, obviously, a Carabao Cup game, which is which is completely different. Johan Lang was, was you know, something that happened very early on in the window as soon as Sousa left. And again, I think you make, you make a good point. You know, I, I, I'm not really sure how much he's been involved with these transfers. It's hard to say. Uh, obviously, he's been involved in the pictures, as we've seen, his beaming smile across yeah, very happy man. across social media. But I'm not really sure if he's had much of a say or, or, or whether Dean Smith's been the main man calling the shots when it comes to transfers this season. Really difficult to know. Um, Dean Smith sort of alludes to um, Perslow and Johan Lang sort of doing all the dealings and you know the the technical side of a, of a transfer deal, but I'm sure that Dean Smith has some input on on who we're trying to sign, and it's probably an agreement with all three of them, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I think that's the mod- that's the modern way of working, isn't it? I think there's yeah. a, a bit of a bit of a transfer committee where you know, I mentioned this in the f- sort of the first episode, where really, I mean, long term, like I said, this this uh, this transfer window is probably a little bit different, but long term, you imagine Johan Lang will be setting the blueprint and he'll be working alongside Dean Smith and Rob McKenzie to identify targets that fit that blueprint. Uh, I guess that will be the plan. I think he's quite an impressive guy. You know, um, he's he's only young, but he. At Copenhagen, they gave him sort of um, a, a, a quite a, a big. Um, they gave him the technical director job after him being assistant to I can't remember who the I think Solback and might have been the manager, um, and and they gave him a more technical role, um, and he he's made them a fortune in all honesty with some of the players that he's he's bought for for under a million. Euros and then sold on for eight or nine million. Um, some of them have been a success when they've left there. Some of them haven't, but it, it, it doesn't really matter to Copenhagen, does it? I mean, they he made them a lot of money, and that's sort of why he made made his name. I think. How do you think that kind of model will fit into sort of what we're looking to do? Because obviously, I think probably apart from one or two clubs in the world, every club's a selling club. You know, that there's going to be offers for players in the future where we're not, we're not going to be able to say no. But yeah. in terms of, you know, where Copenhagen are shopping, obviously they're a, a massive club in Denmark and one of the biggest, if not the biggest clubs in Denmark. So they have massive pulling power. But, he, you know, he's buying players for under a million, under two million pounds when compared to the Premier League was a higher level of expectation uh, and, and sort of different kind of level of standards. How do you think he'll adapt to that? And, and do you think there's a, a certain question marks around that as well? I think it's a totally different job for him. I mean, I can't imagine. I think when I would have had the discussion with him, I think they would have probably spoke at some point about us having to sell a player to a bigger club because you've got the likes of um, Jack Grealish, Douglas Louise, um, 
you know, Ezra Kondatora means these are players that other clubs are naturally going to be interested in because, you know, they're, they're, they're top players. Um, but I don't think it's going to be the same sort of process where we bring in players, develop them and then sell them on. Well, I certainly hope it is in any way. But it's it's difficult to know. I mean, with with our owners, I mean, they, they've spent probably a quarter of a billion pound on Villa so far. So it's kind of difficult to gauge if our what our owners' ambitions are. I think if they're if they're prepared to spend that sort of money, you know, with acquiring Villa, clearing the debt. Um, on the transfer fees they've paid out, the upgrade of the academy at Bodymore Heath. Um, obviously, I know we got a government grant because it was on the um, the HS2 side, but I still still think we we spent money on it. Um, you know, you know, there it's hard to gauge exactly what their ambitions are as well. Um, you know, I think they've mentioned about us operating at the the, the top table in Europe. But, you know, is that really realistic and have they got that type of money? And if they have, are they prepared to spend it to get us there? Which, in all fairness, so far, they're having quite a good go at it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I get the feeling from the owners that if they were able to unleash their spending, they probably would. Uh, But even then, I think, you know, the level of money involved in the Premier League is going to be difficult regardless of, you know, regardless of the money that they have. Uh, because they are, I think, the third richest owners or fourth richest owners in the league. Um, the the really the real issue is that is most other clubs are have the ability to spend money as well. Albeit now in this current environment, it's slightly different. Uh, and I think Villa do have a slight advantage because our owners are willing to spend, even though the environment probably doesn't suit big spending because of what's going on and the uncertainty in the world. But it's an interesting one. I, it's going to take steps and gradual steps, and I think it's going to take a lot of patience from fans. Uh, lot, sorry, a lot of patience from fans because it's not going to be a quick, you know, just we finished 17th. We, we survived by the skin of our teeth last year. Uh, you know, I've predicted that we'll finish top 10, but that's me being optimistic and ambitious and, and hoping for the very, very best. Realistically, you know, anything sort of anywhere above 15th is going to be a decent season and an improvement. And that's what we're looking for really is a gradual improvement. Uh, the key will really will be then, I think, and this is where the owners' ambitions come into play, which they've slightly showed already with the new contract with Jack Grealish. Is if we do finish, say, anywhere between fifteenth to eleventh, and Jack Grealish starts getting itchy feet again and wants to go on to the next level, what will they do then if a big offer comes in, and what will they look to do with the rest of the squad in terms of improving it and moving on to the next level? Definitely, I think it's going to be like a five-year plan rather than it being like uh, Manchester City tried to do it. They tried to do it overnight. Um, you know, they brought in Rubinho when I, I don't think he even realised that there was a, a second club in Manchester. Um, I think he thought he'd be signing for, signing for Chelsea and then they got him down on a private plane and said, yeah, you're signing for Man City. And I think he sort of just went with it because it was something like 300 grand a week. Um, but we're not, we're not going to do it to that level. Um, I don't think we've quite got that spending power that Man- Manchester City have. Um, but I think you know, we, we, if you look at our spending in the tops in in the last two seasons, I mean, we, I think we're in the top three in Europe. 
Um, so we, we can't we can we can't moan, can we? In all honesty, um, some of the players have been, you know, a success, and some of them haven't. Well, and some of them are sort of in between. You've got players like Trezor Guy, who before the last five games of the season, older said, you know, send him back to Turkey if an offer comes in because he's not good enough, and then. He comes up with these really important goals that, that keep us in the league. Um, there's some frustrating players in there, um, but we look, you know, I think we needed wingers this season. We've got Troy Oray, we've got Watkins, who, you know, I think mainly is going to be used as a striker, but he can play on the wing as well. Um, and I think with the, the development of Keenan Davies, I mean, Last night when I was watching him, it was like he was in year 11 and everyone else was in year 7. He was just bullying the defenders. It just, yeah, it's just, you know, if I was Dean Smith, I would have told him to apologise to the defenders after the game. It just wasn't really fair. Just a, a different level yesterday, wasn't he? He was just, he just seemed to be so confident as well, which, you know, I think Keenan Davis is excellent at holding the ball up and he knows what he's good at. But yesterday he was willing to run out of defenders. He was more confident of getting the ball, and he was more willing to receive the ball and and, and sort of play one twos with midfielders, which I, I haven't seen him do that often. Yeah, I think maybe that's the mental thing with him. I think he knew he was playing against a lesser side in a in a league below, and maybe he thought, you know, I can pull it off if I give it a try. And in, in the Premier League, he probably hasn't developed that confidence just yet, but. Um, I like him. I mean, he doesn't score many goals. Um, but, you know, if he could finish, we'd have, we'd have a serious, serious player on our hands. But um, it's, I'm glad we've got him tied down for a new contract for another, um, I think it was till 2024. So he's an option, you know, we can bring on. I wouldn't be surprised if we signed another striker with, um, with um, Samata going. Do you, do you expect us to uh, still spend big money on the in the remainder of the window on, on a few more players? I hope so, but I don't think we will. I think the, the whispers are that we're not going to spend big money. I think, you know, you had the links yesterday to Ross Barkley and, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek on loan, um, which isn't a bad idea. I mean, personally, I, w- I wouldn't sign Ross Barkley. Um, he's had discipline issues at Chelsea. Um, who are a massive club and he's had more than one discipline issue. Um, coming to a club like Villa, is he going to think, right, I'm going to knuckle down now and you know, I'm going to really start to play? Or is he going to think, oh, I'm only on loan at Villa? It doesn't really matter, does it? I'm just going to go on the piss every week. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting one, I think, that one. I think out of the two, I think I'd prefer Ruben Loftus-Cheek if we could get him. I think the big issue with him is, is uh, injuries. Uh, from what I hear, what I see from Chelsea fans, it's whether he can stay fit for a season. And obviously, we we need someone who's going to be able to play on a consistent basis. Because in terms of depth, you know, we've we've got a lot of players in the squad, but in terms of actual quality, we don't, we don't have that much depth. So you know, we need these players to come in and, and be useful for most of the season and play a big part in in our season. Yeah, that's the problem with Ruben Loftus Cheek. I think is the the fitness um, issues that he's had. And then we've got the link constantly to uh, Rashica, um, uh, Werder Bremen, um, 
you know, there's been there's been talk of him coming to join us, and then you talk there's other clubs that are linked with him. So, you know, are we even in for him? Who knows? I think he'd be a good player, but I think we need if we're going to keep Jack on the left, we definitely need a number eight because for me, John McGinn hasn't been good enough for quite a long time. A lot of people aren't going to agree with me. He had a great start to last season. But just before his injury, the the five games leading up to his injury, I don't think he was great. Um, Then he had his injury, came back. He wasn't fully fit. Start of this season, he doesn't look anywhere near as good as he used to. Um, Douglas Louise looks fantastic. You know, he's one of the first names on the team sheet now. But it's just that, it's getting the ball from Douglas to Douglas Louise to Jack Reedish. I think that's the problem we've got. Um, and I think that's probably why we're in the market for a player like that. I mean, I'd like Buendia, personally, but we haven't been linked with him. And it doesn't look like he's going anywhere at the moment, which I'm really surprised about. Yeah, I think he said that he's quite happy to stay in Norwich if he has to, which is yeah. uh, quite telling, I think, in terms of the interest being shown in him, which is surprising, I think, uh, considering how good of a season he had last year. He must be just a really boring person if Norwich is as, um, is as exciting as he gets through him. He probably needs to, get, needs to get out a bit, you know, and needs to go and see the world if, uh, if he's quite happy to stay at Norwich. I went there for an away game once and I couldn't wait to go out of the place, to be honest. Yeah, I've been there once. I think it was when... Uh, oh, who was it? I'm trying Is to think. Quelle, 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 yeah, no, it was when Benteke got injured and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Kozak scored uh, after missing an easy chance and get, then getting the rebound. Yeah, we, we, pretty dom- we pretty much dominated that game and I thought... I remember that, I think that was right at the beginning of the, the Lambert's second season, I think. It might have been the second season, I think. And I thought at that time, I thought... You know, this is a team that's going to really do well this season, and that's probably the highlight of the season. I think. I think we, I think we all got a bit excited about Lambert, didn't we? I think, especially um, the the finish to his first season when we we just about stayed up, but we looked like we were starting to to really play well together. But it just didn't really get much better than that, unfortunately for uh, for Lambert. And it, it turned quite nasty in the end for him, didn't it? Before, yeah, he did. Uh, before Sherwood came in, yeah, and Lambert really suffered, didn't he? I think he he must have he put on weight, he grew a beard, he looked a complete <laughs> shadow of the former self, didn't he? I think that happens to most Villa managers, unfortunately. He did. He really, you could really tell that the stress of the job was was taking its toll on him. I mean, he looked. I was quite worried for him at one point, to be honest. And but that's what that's what being the a villa manager does to you. It's a, it's a lot of pressure. Doesn't matter what league we're in, we're expected to do well. Even in the Premier League, there's some of our fans out there who genuinely expect us to finish in the top eight, even this season. And I think you've got to be realistic and you've got to be patient and you've got to realise that like we've just been speaking about it's a process. Um and it's not going to happen overnight. What did you make of the... Uh, we talk about managers. Uh, obviously, the current manager, Dean Smith, lifelong Villa fan, you know, achieved his objective last season, albeit it wasn't pretty at times. 
there was there was a lot of doubts about him over Christmas time. I, I I will hold my hand up and say I was one of them, and I I still have my sort of reservations over the longer term. I, I love I love the man. Don't get me wrong, I, I really do. He's my, probably my favourite manager ever since probably Brian Lipton and John Gregory era. Yeah, but, definitely. But you know, over the long term, if we're going to take that next step up, do you think he's the man to do it? I mean, it's going to be controversial to many out there because obviously Dane Smith is very popular, but it just in my opinion, he he might take us to 15th, between 12th and 15th, but I just don't think he can take us any further than that. I think we, you know, like, like Everton did, they got Carlo Ancelotti and um, he was a massive sign of ambition from them. And if if we're serious about you know, the, the, the owners have spoken about Europe. If, if we're being genuinely serious, serious about that, then we're going to need to get in um, a, a better manager at some point. I mean, you know, I know it sounds harsh on Dean Smith and I love the guy, but I just can't see him managing us to get into the top eight. I just can't see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know either way. I've given time, I think. With Dean Smith, I really hope, like I think pretty much every fan, really hope he's the one to take us to the next level. And I want him to be the one to take us to the next level. Like I said, I had my doubts. Those doubts were sort of allayed a little bit, I think, post-COVID in terms of how he managed the team, how he managed to get us out of it and how he changed his tactics and, and got the players playing. Uh, I think that was a good sign. And, and you know, we obviously started the season fairly well as well. But you know, it'll be interesting to see how we adapt in terms of our, our tactics as well because... One thing I did criticise him for last year before COVID happened was his sort of inflexibility around tactics and playing that four three three. And and he went back to you know went three at the back now and again, but he didn't really stick to it or commit to it uh, that often. Uh, and and you know, some of that could be you know some of that you could say was to do with injuries and, and those three big players that we missed. So you, you know you have to give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. So you know, definitely, I think I, I hope he does well, and I and I think he can do it. You know, I think he could potentially take us to at least mid table. Beyond that, I think there's this. I have some slight reservations, but I'm hopeful and I'm willing to give him time. And like most fans, I want him to do well. Yeah, definitely. I think after the 4 0 defeat against Leicester, though, just before COVID, I think there was a lot of fans there that were starting to say, you know, we, we, we might need to make a change here. Um, I probably said it in anger, um, didn't really mean it at the time, you know. I, um, I'm glad we kept him on. I'm glad he kept us up. Um, I think he'll he'll, he'll definitely hope well. Hopefully, we won't be in another relegation battle this season. Um, but like I said, there's just a bit of a question mark about where how far he can take us. You know, can he take us as far as another English manager did, like John Gregory um, did, or or Brian Little did? Um, that's sort of the question for me that I'm just not sure of the answer of yet. Yeah, I mean, one, one addition we haven't talked about is Craig Shakespeare, the backroom staff, which will be interesting to see how, how he adds to the team and what he brings, because I think that's some, hopefully some much-needed experience in the coaching setup, which we needed last year at times, because end at the end of the day, not only were our players last year inexperienced when it came to Premier League football, our, our coaching staff and our management team were also. So there were, there were uh, points in the season where they were a bit naive, I thought. Which is, which is to be expected, you know, it's their first season and they're sort of finding their feet as well. And John Terry, for example, is very much a new coach uh, to the game, so he's still learning on the job. So Craig Shakespeare should be uh, hopefully a useful and a valuable addition this season. And, 
you know, hopefully we'll see his input in the team and the, the effect he has on the team in, in terms of the results as well. Can't really miss him, can you, to be honest? It's all you Another Villa fan as well. <laughs> you look like he enjoyed his summer a little bit, didn't he? With the beer belly that you came back with. Um, but I, I was surprised. I didn't know he was a Villa fan. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's, he's a genuinely good coach. He's, got, he's proven that with his experience. Um, the job that um, he did at Leicester, I know he, he ended up getting the sack. But before that, when he was a coach, when they won the league, I think... Um, and then obviously he went to Watford, um, and they that um, for me they were staying up. I mean, and then they got rid of Nigel Pearson, and then sort of just chaos ensued after that. And luckily it was in our benefit. Um, would would they have stayed up if they kept him? I don't know, but it just seemed a really strange one that one did. But obviously I'm I'm glad that we've got him on board. I think we needed a bit more experience in there and just another another voice and with a few more suggestions, which um, whenever you look at our bench and things are going wrong, they always seem to be in discussion with each other. So I think it's very much like um, a team thing with them. Um, I think we know that Dean Smith isn't one of them shouty managers or you know, he, he won't come in at half time and give them an absolute bollocking. Um, I think he'll more he's more of a calm influence, which which is fine, you know, but I think sometimes you do need someone to give people a kick up the arse. Do you know what I mean? Um I don't know whether or not he does that. Apparently he's done it once or twice, but he just doesn't come across as that type of guy. But at least we've got, you know, people like John Terry who have who have captained um, teams to win Premier Leagues to win? Um, I know, I know, he wasn't in the in the squad for the Champions League final, but it was a big part of them winning that. You know, that sort of experience in the dressing room. He won't be afraid to say something if things are going wrong. Craig Shakespeare won't. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a good thing that we got him in. I'm happy we got him in for sure. Yeah, no, definitely, and you know. We'll look forward to seeing the, like I said, the impact he has. And I thought, you know, the Sheffield United game, we looked. It's a difficult game to judge, really, how we've done. But we looked pretty decent, obviously, even before they went down to ten men. I, I thought we looked pretty energetic and, and up for it, and we started the game well. After that, you know, you can't make a judgment. I don't think. I think it was backs against the wall by Sheffield United, and we sort of tried to try to play a style that we're not break them down. Yeah, we're not. It's a style that we're not probably used to that much. But we we sort of they relented in the end and they uh, really got the win in the end. So you know that that's a good thing. I think that that kind of game we wouldn't have won and we probably would have drew or maybe even lost last year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, it was one of them games when last season we wouldn't have been able to break them down. Um, we started really well. Um, started on the front foot, looked really good, and then the the sending off sort of ruined the game a little bit. Like you say, it's a back-to-the-wall performance for Sheffield United, um, which they did really well. But, you know, thankfully we got the goal and and got the three points. But we didn't create an awful lot. We didn't. There wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances. Um, but like you say, it's tough when you're playing against a team that have got nine men behind the ball. Um, it's difficult, but, you know, it's hard to judge. It's hard to judge on the first game. I think Monday's game against Fulham 
for me, I know it's it's only our second game in the league, but for me, it's a massive game, and it's a it's a it's going to be a big sort of. It's going to give us an idea of of where we are. I mean, you got Scott Parker, who's managing them, who thinks he's like he's he's obviously bought five of the same Tom Ford suits. He thinks he's like a, a mix between James Bond and Harvey Specter from Suits, um, but he's just a gimp. I don't rate him at all. Anyone who's still known as Scotty, he's just I just don't rate him. Um, and I think man, man for man, I think we're a lot better than Fulham now. Um, they'll play, I think, four two three one against us. I think. Might be wrong. No, I agree. I think, I mean, that's what they've played in the last couple of games, albeit they've switched the midfield a little bit. Again, a game with, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on Fulham now. We'll go into a bit detail about what we expect from them. But just before that, again, another game with a bit of needle. So we had that with Sheffield United because of the VAR call last year. And now with Fulham because of the uh, playoff final and the Joe, Joe Bryan transfer. It's another game with a bit of needle between the fans. I mean, I, I can't expect any Fulham fan ever getting angry, to be honest, but there seems to be a few of them. Well, I'm just so glad that, you know, it's going to be beyond closed doors because I don't think we'd be able to, to cope with the, uh, the full force um, of Fulham's hardcore fans. You know, that prawn sandwich brigade is something else. You know, they come to the games with uh, carrots to feed the police horses. Um, they're, they're just a different breed of fans. Um Having needle with Fulham is like the worst beef ever. It's like pointless. They're like they're so not hard, but we somehow ended up having a bit of needle with them. Um, yeah, Joe Bryan, I still don't like him. Um, I don't even care. I, I'm, I just, I still don't. I know Fulham were they were Premier League at the time, weren't they? So he went for Premier League football, but still a dickhead. He's given us a bit of stick as well, hasn't he? Uh, he seems to he seems to enjoy he seems to enjoy it. Uh, the needle with Villa. He's guided the big in a little bit. I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping not like Douglas Luiz just absolutely twats him in the first couple of minutes. Um, gets just gets the yellow card and gets him stretched off the field. That would be perfect. Oh, he's, been, he's been really poor. I think Joe Bryan. I've seen. I watched uh, both Fulham games. Well, the Leeds game especially, I watched quite closely, and uh, he, he seemed really poor to me. He, you know, he seemed not to, not up to speed, and uh, he got done a few times. Um, so, I'd be interested to see how he does with uh, maybe Traore starting. Do you think? Do you think he'll start? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, he's not going to be going to be fully fit yet. Um, should would should we give him sixty, seventy minutes, or should we bring him on? It's it's a really tough call. I'd probably start him just because I'm a fan and I'm excited about the new signings, whereas they'll watch him in training every day and they'll know exactly where he is fitness wise, you know, with all the with all the data and analytics these days um that are being brought into the game more and more, they'll know exactly where he is fitness wise. Um and he didn't look too bad last night. Um you know, I don't, he didn't really show his pace that much, so it was difficult to sort of gauge where he's at fitness-wise. But um, yeah, I think I'd start him, give him a go against um, Joe Bryan and their defence. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I'm uh, pretty confident either either way, whether Trez starts and Trero comes off the bench or whether Trero starts and Trez comes off the bench. I think yeah. they're both going to offer something completely different. You know, Trero's going to be a lot more uh, forward-thinking, uh, be able to sort of interlink play with the midfield and the forwards and, and have that pace have that pace on the counter-attack, which although Trez is quick, he never really ever shows it. But I think with Trez, you get, you're going to get hard-working, you get pressing. And I think in a performance in a, a game against Fulham, you're going to need that as well. So I'm confident either way, and it'll be interesting to see how the game pans out. I think personally, I think uh, you know it's going to be slightly different to the, well, it will be different to the game against Sheffield United because that was a bit more end to end before the the man got sent off, and then obviously it was it was us having all the ball. But against Fulham, I expect them to have much more of the ball. They like to play out the back. They like to use their centre backs as as the people who sort of start their moves off. And although Reem didn't play last year uh, last week. Uh, typically, he's the one bringing the ball forward. So I might might be interested to see whether he comes back into contention. Uh, and I expect them to sort of play that that sort of methodical style at the back, and then pass it forward, and then try and you know try and play in between the lines with you know, players like Onoma, uh, Mitrovic holding it up at the top, uh, and and also this I think the star man probably and the one to look out for will be Anguissa uh, or Anguissa. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but yeah, he, was, he, you know, was he on loan last season? Yeah, he so he was at uh, he was at Villarreal last year because he's he, he back from the coaching strike. You never know; they've, they've, yeah. they've, gone, they've gone with him straight away. I think it was a bit unfortunate. So he came in for Marseille for I think about twenty five million euros, quite you know highly rated, a well thought of, and he never really got going at Fulham in the first season. I think he got injured before Christmas or just after Christmas, so he missed a couple of months, and then he came back. and I think he, his running the team coincided with their good run towards the end of that season. And then he went off went off to loan to Villarreal, and he had a fantastic season. He, you know, they got the Europa League places, and he was a big part of that. And you know, in terms of his goals and assists, he probably wasn't. You know, if you look at just his stats, you think, oh, you know, he's he's not a great player. He didn't do that well, but actually, you know, he's he's a bit more like the all action midfielder that we kind of need. And I, I would say, you know, uh, you know, uh, one, uh, a good friend Bal was saying this earlier to us on our own WhatsApp group chat that we've got. And something I've said as well to to other people, you know, that's the type of midfielder I'd love to have because he's he definitely is all action. Because if you look at his stats in in, in the Liga, you know, he I think he was probably the best midfielder, top mid centre midfielder for tackles, uh, sorry for for dribbles per game, uh, and also one of the top midfielders for tackles per game. So he, he's got both sides of his game, which is interesting to see. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does against us on on Monday because I think he'll be a big part of whether they do well or not. Yeah, I think if we had a fully fit John McGinn um, helping Douglas Louise out, I think, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd be able to handle him. Um, do you think he'll go with Connor on Monday? I think so. I think Connor, or Connor and McGinn are probably lucky to have both have their place in the team because I thought they were both quite poor. But I think with McGinn, you know that there's a potential for him to turn it on and get back to his best. Whereas yeah. with, with Connor, I think, I've I've said this before, you know, Connor Hur- well, I say Harahan because that's how you pronounce his name. I, I yeah, keep getting yeah. it wrong. But I think he, you know, he is definitely one of my favourite players. And for the money we spent on him, he's been fantastic value and he and he works hard, he's committed, he's a good member of the team, and he and he definitely adds something. But I think if we're gonna rely on him for week in, week out for every game, then we're gonna struggle this year. I think yeah. he's gonna be suited to a certain type of game, like I've said before. And I, I think against Fulham, I'm not really sure whether he'll be uh, in potential for set pieces, yeah, because Fulham at the back are not so great. So potentially you could come in there and, and, and add a bit there. But in terms of, you know, I don't think we're going to have much of the ball. So we could we could potentially look at someone else in the team and maybe bring Jack back in and 
and maybe play Trezeguet and Traore on the wings. That would be interesting. We could do that as well. That's another option. I think that's an option. I have actually written that down in my notes about bringing, bringing back Jack into the number eight position um, and then going with, with Trez and or Trez or Al Ghazi and Traore. Um, it's it's a tough it's a tough one. I think I think Fulham will, will look at this game thinking we've got to win this game. This is a team we should be beating at home. Um, they'll try and dominate the ball, um, but I think we're, we're we're more than more than capable of of keeping the ball ourselves. And I think man for man, I think we're a lot better team than Fulham than than, than we'd realise. Um, you know, like I say, man for man, definitely we were a better team. Somebody like Greenish could destroy Fulham. Um, going at that, if he gets a chance to run at their back line and sort of cut in from the left, you know, I really think he could do them some damage. Um, but I'm sure Scott Parker will be there on the side of the pitch in his little Tom Ford suit, giving it ten. Probably the man, probably the man responsible for Martin O'Neill leaving. I think from from what people say and what the rumours are. So. Is that what it was? Well, did you want to sign him? I read that in in a lot of a lot of places. No one really knows because Martin O'Neill never spoke about it, and no one else has. Uh, and I've met Paul Fogner a few times, and uh, he's he's always refused to comment on it. So really, is he never? Is he never like spoke about no, it? No, no. I mean, the rumours are basically that. Uh, when we sold Milner that O'Neill wanted Scott Parker and, and Randy Lerner refused to uh, sanction the deal because we've already spent so much money and we're spending money on another 28, 29-year-old on big wages and he wasn't happy with that and he's trying to curb his spending and, and, and that's probably the final straw that, uh, sorry, the final thing that broke uh, broke him and decided, you know, he made him decide to leave Villa in five days before the before that season. But I don't know if it's true or not, but that, that's the rumour. But, yeah, I mean, it's probably right, to be honest. I think I don't think Martin O'Neill wanted Stephen Ireland. Um, Stephen Ireland is just, he's just an absolute twat. Um, there's no other way to describe him, excuse my language, but um, I don't think he was a Martin O'Neill type player. Um, and that was just sort of chucked in as part of the Milner deal, um, which was... Probably disappointed O'Neill, and then he obviously just quit a week before the season and left us deep in the shit. But if it meant that we didn't sign Scott Parker, then it was all worth it because I cannot stand him. <laughs> I think I think he's an absolute gimp. I really do. It's, that, it's just because he wears that same navy suit, that Tom Ford suit, every every game, and. He could at least change it up a little bit, do you know what I mean? He's and with his little tie, his, his little tie clip that he wears, like he's he looks like he's going for an interview, uh, Canary Wolf every game. He looks maybe like he is. He's maybe is he, maybe that's his backup. He, he does. He looks like he's going like you know I'm off to for an interview at Barclays for for an executive role. You know that's what he looks like every game. I'm just thinking like you you're a football you're, you're the manager of Fulham. Not Real Madrid. Just calm down a bit with your suits. You know, you're not the man. You're Scotty Parker. I'm sorry to keep going on about it, but God, just for, just because of him, I hope you beat them. Yeah. Another uh, old Villa link as well in the Fulham team, obviously Josh Onoma, who, uh, who, got, who got a bit of a rough deal from Villa fans, I think. What do you think of him? How do you think he's done with Fulham and 
And uh, what do you think of his time at Villa? Oh, I didn't think he was bad at Villa at all. I didn't think he did, did too badly. Um, whenever he did play, he always had a goal in him. Um, definitely got a rough time of our fans, but it didn't surprise me with some some of our fans. Um, and he's he's he he's one of the first names on the on the team sheet at Fulham at the moment. So that shows how much he's developed. Um, so I think he, I think he's a dangerous player for them. He, he like, like I say, he's always got a goal in him. Um, but like like I say, man for man again, I would think our midfield are better than their midfield. Um, defen- defensively, I think we're, we're a lot better than they are. Um, going for going and going forward, just Jack being the you know the player he is, he's so much better than anything that they've got. But they've got Mitrovic, who's who's a genuinely good player. But be interesting to see who who is on Mitrovic. I think Mitrovic might try and pull away to Konza, but I think Mings might try and keep hold of Mitrovic just because of how strong he is and. He's good at keeping the ball up. He's good in the air. He's a good finisher, and he's going to be a threat. Um, he's definitely going to be a threat against us. You, you know, he's their man that we we've got to stop. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's definitely their best player apart from Angisa. I think you know he's he's the da- he's the danger man, and hopefully our, our defense can uh, keep him at bay. And I think our defense has been pretty good actually. I think Konza, especially last game, was. Like I said before, was probably the man of the match, and 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 he's really developed massively compared to the uh, beginning of last season. So, you know, hopefully we we will do well. Matty Cash obviously coming into defence is he's a bit of a he's a bit of an area presence as well. He's quite good in the air, I think. So I didn't realise how big he was. He's quite yeah, big he's, he's, he's a tall lad. Yeah, he's he's quite an athletic guy. I think he's six foot six foot one, he, and that's something you don't realise. Realise, you know, when you see him for Forest, you don't really think about that aspect of his game but you see notice it when he's come to Villa now compared to Gilbert he's much taller uh, and uh, you know again I think he had a decent game against Sheffield United another player making his debut against Sheffield United was Ollie Watkins and he, he was on the score sheet last night what, you, what have you made of his start to his Villa career do you think he's done well and what hopes do you have for him uh, I think his movement is great I think he's just got that goal scorer's instinct he knows where the ball's going to go if and you, you know if, if somebody's got it on the wing, he knows where to be when they put the ball into the box. Providing you know we've got a winger that can that's good enough to supply it to him, um, I think he'll be a success for us. I really do. Um, I think he's he's. I know he's played a lot on the wing for Brentford, but for me, he really is a, a like a, a natural centre forward. It really suits him. He's big. He's strong. He's good in the air, good finisher. He's just got, um, he's got it. He's got it all that he needs, really, to be a success. Yeah, he. I mean, again, another player that I have high, I have high hopes for. And again, yesterday, you know, he came on and straight away he was you know, keen to get forward, keen to get the, you know, ball going, getting in forward positions, getting goal scoring positions. Which you know, he could easily come on. That game's won. You know, that game's done and dusted, pretty much a two 0 with. With Bristol not really, Bristol City not really adding much to the game. He could have just uh, sort of gone through the gears, but he really put an effort in yesterday, and that's the kind of player he is. And and you know that's that's going to be so important if we are going to do well this season. Yeah, I think he's really hungry for goals, um, regardless of who we're playing. Um, 
and we need that. I mean, uh, Samata came in. He just wasn't a, a big enough presence for me. Um, I don't think he was a terrible player. I think he held it up sometimes quite well. Um, but I think Holly Watkins is on a completely different level to him. Um, and I, I think people say, you know, 33 million, it's a massive deal. But for strikers these days, if you know, if you're going to get a striker that scores more than 10 goals, you're looking at paying 25 million plus for them. So I personally don't care how much he cost us. I'm glad we've got him. We needed him. Um, I wouldn't have minded if we had a couple of other players from Brentford as well. Um, but I'm sort of getting sick of us constantly going back to Brentford now. I'd, you know, it'd be nice to sort of go. Especially with Lang coming in. It, it was not, I'd be, I'm surprised with Lang that we haven't brought in just like a random Argentinian wonder kid or something like that. You know, one of them type of signings where it's complete, completely out of the blow. There's still time yet, so we'll, I guess we'll see. Uh, and we'll see what uh, what our remaining budget looks like. There's a lot of rumours. Uh, and it's, a lot of it is media speculation. I think they try and put two and two together and get five most of the time. Uh, people like Rob Dorsett and Sky, who have oh, an absolute paste, absolute pasting from Villa fans. You know, some of the stuff he's come out with, which doesn't make any sense, talking about, you know, you know, we're having to sell to buy and, and FFP when we sold certain players and we you know we're not going to spend 20 million on a goalkeeper and then we do it the next day it's just you know it's just it's just it's just ludicrous i mean there's only there's only one journalist that really has any credibility with anyone that's john percy who's who's had a fantastic record against the villa transfers and even then you know he even then this window he's got a couple of things wrong or a couple of things haven't panned out but you know i understand transfers are, are complicated matters you know i've been in, involved in sort of the uh, the other end of it before through work and and you can see what happens, you know, and you can see how things go. And you can see the, the types of things that agents do. You know, I've been in a room when an agent has been on the phone uh, to, uh, you know, Sky Sports. And they've been talking about this championship player who I was, you know, he was a client of mine talking about how three or four Premier League clubs were interested in him. And, and oh, so, they, so they, these agents, they do actually speak to people. From, yeah, from, no, they do. And, and, he, and he, he had this call wow. and he was saying, yeah, oh, I think I actually might have been Villa, but I think it was Crystal Palace, West Ham and maybe Villa. Uh, you know, they've been, they've inquired about him, but, you know, he's very much focused on staying with his current club and, and X, Y, and Z and da, 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 you know, going on about that, those sorts of things. And, and he got, gets off the phone and they both start laughing. And I say, you know, what's wrong? That's, that sounds like really exciting news. And they said, Ah, and then, you know, we're just trying to get him a new contract at his current club and it's all part of the game. And I was just like, and I, you know, you hear about these things, but when you actually see, you just think, well, obviously these things happen. And, that, and that's it. The Sky Sports will run with that story and they'll go ahead and they'll be like, you know, we've heard from our sources and X, Y, and Z is available for transfer or this club is close to signing him and then it never happened. And, you know, and then they'll make up another story and say, oh, it hasn't happened because he's decided to go to another club. And it's, it's a lot of it's made up and, and they're just trying to get, they're just trying to be first in the news rather than right. I think that's that's the problem. I think, I think some of them at Sky just genuinely haven't got a clue. I think they get fed a load of rubbish. I mean, they spent the other day. I mean, Jaden Sancho to Man U isn't happening. It hasn't been happening for over a month. I don't know when Sky are going to accept it, but it's not happening. And they spent an hour the other day talking about Jaden Sancho going to Man U. Could it happen? Um, is there a deal on the line? 
my sources have told me that there's no movement. There's nothing going on because he's not fucking signing for them. Simple as that. I, re- I really hope it happens now so I can clip this part of the audio and use it for future episodes. <laughs> use it against you on every single Twitter oh, argument. Mate, you've ever yeah, had. Honest to God, if I say something, it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. Pretty much happen. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, it's why I don't take too much notice of these rumours about, you know, we have to sell Dubai or we haven't got much money left. I think we've got money left. The key is we've got 27 players in the squad and we can only register 25. So we have to get rid of... I mean, two of them are keepers, obviously, so it goes down to 25, but we're going to have to sell a couple of players or at least loan a few players out to get space for additional signings, which I think we'll make. It just might go to the last week of the window. It's difficult for us now with how big the squad is. Um, And it's just, you know... We say it's a big squad of 27 players, but in terms of quality, there isn't a lot of depth. Um... So it's going to be difficult for us to to move some players on. I think we're going to have to 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 cut to cut our losses on a few players and just just get rid of them. Really, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I was I was looking at the squad today, and I think I counted maybe thirteen, fourteen players that I class as players who I trust to perform on a consistent basis at, at probably a mid table to a higher level than that. And yeah. really, I think we need probably at least sixteen this season to have a good chance of not just surviving yeah. but having a comfortable season. Hopefully, we can get there. I guess we'll see uh, what pa- what pans out for rest of the season uh, and uh, sort of sort of the rest of the window. So it'd be interesting to see. But looking ahead to Monday's game, so just before we uh, sort of wrap up, uh, and and I've also got a bit of a quiz for you as well. So you got that to look forward to in a minute. But just looking ahead to Monday's game, what do you think uh, the scoreline will be? What's your prediction? I'll say I think it'll be a one-one draw. Um, although I do think we should be beating teams like Fulham. I think they'll be really up for it. They'll go into it. Um, with a lot of confidence because they'll see us as a, a team that they should be beating, especially at home. Um, so I've gone for a 1-1 draw. Um, but it's, gonna, it's a real tough game to sort of to sort of predict. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I've gone for 2-2. So I, again, similar result, well, same result, uh, draw. Uh, but I think there'll be a couple of goals in it. Uh, either way, I think Fulham have not looked good defensively and shipped in seven goals already. So, I, I, and I think you know, on the counter attack, we'll have with Troy playing, we'll have a, a good opportunity to, and Watkins as well. You know, that bit of pace that we missed last season, I think we'll have uh, quite a few chances. And and the other end, I think you know we've been really solid. We've hardly conceded any shots on goal and, and conceded goals. But you know, Fulham going forward can be dangerous. So, uh, uh, you know, I think there maybe there's a couple of goals in it, and it could be one of those games. It's three two two. You know. 3-1, 2-2, but I think it'll be 2-2. I guess we'll see on Monday. And uh, we'll definitely, hopefully, be, be able to give some Fulham fans some stick on Twitter after the oh, game on Monday. Absolutely. I can't wait to get the uh, the full force hashtag and uh, give them a, a bit of stick. Talking you know, of uh, talking of Twitter, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know what I'm coming on to next. I wanted to spend a quick couple of minutes talking about your amazing knockout record on Twitter. Undefeated, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's just a bit of, it's a bit get kidding around. But there's there's been a few over the years and a, I think there was there was a the certain particular Wolf supporter who last season he really was giving it loads for about three months and I just I just sort of tolerated him for a few months. Um and then he caught me in a bad mood on one Sunday night and I just absolutely destroyed him. I think I, I, went, I, found, I went on his Facebook 
found a sheet pictures of him looking like a bit of a dickhead, found out where he, he, he worked, so I think he worked at a, other, a call centre, so we took the piss out of him for that. Um, and he, I, don't, I, I don't think he's been seen much since. Um, whereas before, he was like massive, you know. He's, but he went on to private that night. Um, and I, I don't know if he's off private now, but if he is, I might go back and start giving him a bit more shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, here at Villa Talks, we don't we don't condone trolling or, or abusive behaviour. But you know, that, I I know who you're talking about, and he was you know he was definitely uh, he was definitely needling the fans and and trolling all the Villa fans about various aspects of our transfer yeah, window. I mean, it's just football banter, you know. It's, I mean, I've had people who have um, who have hopes that said to me that they hope my kids get raped and murdered all because I said that we were a bigger club than Everton. Um, it's, you know, you get a lot of it on Twitter and you've got to take the rough with the smooth. Um, but there's a few. Do you know what? Blues fans aren't too bad. It's um, it's Wolves fans and it's Albion fans. And there's another Albion <laughs> There's an Albion fan who just tweets about Villa. He's not, I mean, it's non-stop. Um, it's weird. I, I mean, I don't really think about any of the clubs. I'll be honest. I no, don't really I don't. don't. I, I just don't, don't care. I don't. I mean, we've got enough problems at Villa or enough things to think about at Villa than than yeah, yeah, think yeah, about exactly. how Albion are doing now. Wolves. Yeah, and yeah, now and again, you'll see a Sky Sports headline and you'll see them signing. You know, being linked with Adebayor, and you'll have a bit of a laugh. But that's about it. That's as far as it goes, really. Um, exactly. I mean. Just trying to think of some of the other. Tw- oh no, um, I think I think we'll, we'd have to do it like I said, a ten-part series to uh, go through all your knockouts and. I think the Bra Rose incident might we we might have to go into that one. That, but that was that was a yeah that was a fellow Villa fan and uh, someone we all know and 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 you know. I, was, I think that was all. That was all light-hearted in the end of the day. That was all banter, wasn't it? It was, was yeah. Banter, I, I mean, he's not a bad guy at all. He wasn't, but that went on all night, and that we could laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, we all remember that. It makes makes Twitter an interesting place. Uh, it does. It does. From it, time well, to if you've time. got if you've got nothing else going on in your life anyway, then uh, at least you've got that <laughs> to, to look forward to, and uh, but a bit of fri- bit of Friday night entertainment. I tend to behave myself a lot more than I used to. One, yeah, yeah. Um, much much more sensible, I think. Uh, much more measured. You know, I think my wife had a quick word with me one night and said, "Look, Phil, you're um, you know, you're 32 now. Do you think you should stop taking the piss out of Blues, West Brom, and Albion fans?" And I was like, "No, why should I do that?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I've just sort of eased off on it. I don't tweet as much anymore. Um, trying to calm down a bit. You know, there might be a point in the season when we're having a bad period and then the monster might come back. And... No, I don't, think, I don't think it's worth it, to be honest, in my opinion. I think social media is, uh, can be a bad place, as we've it seen. It can be quite dangerous. Yeah, quite be dangerous, yeah. I think, I think it's just not... It's, it's keep, keep it lighthearted and fun and, and stick to Villa like this podcast does. I think that's the, that's the best way. Definitely. Speaking of which, uh, just before we sort of pack up this uh, late Friday night chat that we're having, which has been great, there's always a... As always, whenever we have a, a new new guest, we always have a guest challenge. Um, and the idea behind this is, if you if you're successful with the guest challenge, we're going to have a, a Christmas quiz, a big quiz uh, at Christmas, where we're going to hopefully, if if all goes well, put it on YouTube. And and we, yes, we do have a YouTube channel. We just haven't publicised it because 
you know, we want to put stuff on on YouTube that actually worth seeing rather than us wearing a pair of headphones and just talking to each other, which yeah. I, don't, I don't think anyone's interested in. So that will hopefully be the plan. Uh, but if you're successful, then you'll get through to that final quiz and we'll have like a, all the different guests having in a, big, in a big competition, which should be an interesting viewing. Uh, so the again, we're going to do something similar to the first episode, where it's going to be named the missing player. So what I'm going to do is a game that we mentioned earlier on in this episode, which was Paul Lambert's, during Paul Lambert's reign, the game against Norwich when Kozak scored the winner. I'm going to read out the starting 11 and I'm going to miss out a player and you have to try and guess who that player is. Uh, I've already, we've already talked about who scored the goal, so we can't use that as a backup question, but I'll, uh, I'll try and think of another backup question if, we, if you don't get it. And if you don't get that, well, then you're never coming on the show again, unfortunately, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so you ready? you ready for this? Uh, go on, man. I'll have a go. <laughs> All right. So Guzan, Bakuna, Villar, Clark, Luna, Tonev, Alhamidi. Yes, he did. He was awful that game. I remember. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember him shooting from distance, as he always did, and he was awful that game. Alhamidi. Yeah. Delph, Agbon Lahore, Benteke. Who's missing? Um, go, go, can, you go, can you go through it again? Go on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Guzan, Bakuna. Vlar, Clark, Luna, Tonev, Alhamidi, Delph, Agbon Lahore, Benteke. <laughs> well, obviously, Kozak came on and scored, but is it the starting 11 we're talking? Yeah. I'm going to go with Ashley Westwood. It's oh, a good guess. It's oh, not bad yet, but really, it's not. It's Andrew Andrew Weiman, Andrew Weiman. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Not devastated. Not going through. Uh, <laughs> just as a as a as just as another quick challenge. Uh, <laughs> although I'm unfortunately not going to be able to go through. Sorry, mate. But maybe That's you'll have a right. chance in future episodes. Who was the man of the match that game? And he was a Villa player. Who got man of the match for Villa in that game? Yeah, and it's not Kozak, even though he scored the winner. Um, Fabian Delph. No, Brad Guzan, which I, I was surprised at because I don't actually remember Norwich playing that well that game. So no, no, I thought we we dominated that game. We dominated that game, yeah. I'm a bit surprised that one, but anyway, thanks for your time, mate. That's been a really interesting chat. We've uh, it's been a bit of a, a bit of an informal one for our listeners. You know, we just wanted to have a bit of a late night Friday night chat, a bit of an unfiltered chat, if you like, uh, where we talk about everything to do with Villa, you know, long term strategy, what we think is going to happen in the long term touch on the Fulham game which we, we hope you enjoyed uh, thanks for your time mate and uh, you know hopefully we'll have you on more shows in the future if you're you're up for it yeah absolutely I really enjoyed it um, it's good to talk and uh, still plenty of a lot of things we can talk about in the future especially if things start going pear-shaped in a few weeks there'll be, uh, there'll be loads to talk about <laughs> let's hope not let's hope not uh, but yeah thanks for your time mate and uh, thank you all for listening yeah, remember to subscribe on uh, all the big pl- podcast platforms uh, and remember to follow us on Twitter uh, at Villa Podcast, all one word. Uh, and we're on Facebook and Instagram, etc. as well. Uh, but yeah, please follow us and please you know, like and subscribe to our podcast. And uh, thank you for your time, Phil, and uh, up the villa.